the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. Is this a lucky, blessed week for you? Because we get Paula for a second time this week. This is the date day edition of the program. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and you're listening to the Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering Bible questions and life questions. And especially today, ladies, it's a day we set aside for you. You know what's interesting, Paula? That I say that every Thursday, but most of our calls come from men on this day. Well, maybe they're trying to learn from me how you are at home. <laughs> I don't think so, but... Yeah. Uh, anyway, we'd love to have your questions and calls. All you have to do is dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can send them via our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. If you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the Call Now banner at the top of the screen, and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. One more time for our main number, it's 340-9585. Well, Paula, we're getting ready to leave uh, right away uh, for our men's retreat, which means uh, neither one of us will sleep very well this for the weekend. next couple of nights. Yeah, yeah. next couple of nights. <laughs> Uh, but I would like to ask the audience to keep all of our men in prayer. There's still time to go. If anybody wants to go, just show up at Camp Buckner in Burnett, Texas. Dad Burnett in Burnett, Texas. <laughs> oh, good. And uh, uh, we'd love to have you. Uh, we talked to somebody yesterday on the radio, Paula Dale, who called. He lives right there in the area. So uh, maybe we'll get to see you, Dale. We'd love to do that. Um, okay. Yeah, in fact, babe, I was asked um, by a gentleman in H-E-B, you know, my second ministry, my my, my other church, H-E-B grocery store. Um, <laughs> so do you have to be there the entire time? And so, no, I said a lot. He says, because I have to work on Thursday, I probably can't go until Friday. I said, well, there's probably more than a few that are in that same situation. So for all of you who really want to go, um, you can show up. Right. Yeah, we, we always have, say, 25 or 50 guys that can't be here on Thursday but do get there Friday morning. So we start Friday morning at 8 o'clock uh, with devotions and uh, with um, uh, breakfast, and, and then we'll get started. So uh, all of that uh, to say you're welcome to come at any time. Enjoy your time. We look forward to meeting you. Paula, before we get started, we've got our friend who calls early. I'm always grateful when people call early. Mm -hmm. Let's go to line one and speak with Anonymous from San Antonio. Thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hello, Pastor. How's it going? I'm going, doing well today. Thank you. Uh, I'm calling on on behalf of a friend of mine. Um, We don't know where to begin, but... um, I've been trying to witness for Christ to him because his way of thinking is very critical. Now, 
what I mean by that is, you know, he says he believes, he says he believes because he's a, he's a Jew. He, he doesn't believe that Christ is our Savior. We're supposed to get saved by Christ, you know. And I said, Bill, that's just not true. I said, excuse me, William, that's just not true. And I try everything I can to make him get over this, like this, uh, like this critical way of thinking, you know. And I've even said, I've even said to him, I said, well, you mean you stand before God if you die to Christ. You know, I, I, I hate to see what's going to happen, you know. And, uh, a lot of times when I'm trying to witness to Christ for him, you know, he, mm-hmm. sometimes I mention Christ and he didn't want to hear anything about Christ. So I'd like your input over the radio, please. Okay, can, can I ask you one question before you hang up? Is You said he yes, believes sir. he's a Jew. Is he a Jew or does he just claim to be a Jew? He's a Jew. He's a Jew, okay. I got you. Thank you for Anonymous. I, uh, we come up across those objections all the time. You know, um, I just finished, yes, last night, in fact, uh, in Isaiah chapter 53, and one of the problems that Jews have is in accepting the fact that their, their Christ could die. You know, they didn't expect the Christ to come as a baby. They didn't expect him to suffer and die. Um, they, their eyes are sort of blind when it comes to reading the Isaiah, um, uh, beginning in chapter 50, the suffering servant passages. And, um, you know, uh, Anonymous, the way you can pray for him is that the veil would be removed, that he would turn to Christ. Uh, Paul writes that a veil covers their hearts. And that veil is only removed when they make a little bit of a turn to Christ. So that's the way to pray for him. Lord, lift that veil so he can see that you are the Christ, the Messiah who came. Um, I also, Anonymous, would, would uh, tell him to, to read carefully John chapter 3, the Gospel of John chapter 3, where Jesus is talking to the most Jewish man in Israel, and he's telling him over and over that you must be born again. And he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believed on him would never perish but have everlasting life. So, um, you know, let the, let the word do its work, but challenge him. And when he says something like, well, I don't want to hear anything about Christ, um, tell him to read his prophets. Because the Jews to whom they were writing also wanted to hear nothing about their Christ. And when he came, he came to his own, and his own received him not. They crucified him. Uh, There's one more really good passage to read. Read Peter's speech in Acts chapter 2, after the Holy Spirit falls upon them, and share that with him, and challenge him. That's all you can do. I know you said you don't want to hear about Christ, but I challenge you to read this. Read it critically. Read it comparing your Jewish scriptures. Read it and ask the Lord to open your heart. Because Jesus also said he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. So, Anonymous, that's all you can do, and there's nothing you can do to convince him this is something that every Jew has to deal with on his or her own. Romans chapter 9, Paul prays, I would give my place in heaven, I'm paraphrasing it, I'd give my place in heaven if only my brothers, the Jews, would believe. So we know they need Jesus. He's the only sacrifice for sins. And all you can do is tell him and pray for him. Good call. Thank you very, very much. 340-9585. So, Paula, second time in a week, what's on your heart? You know, uh, I got nothing past my <laughs> I, I, I used all my stuff on, on Tuesday. You know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was laughing because quite a few people have been excited about... It was Monday. Was it Monday? Yeah, Monday. Okay. Yeah, Monday. Yeah, we're well into our 48th year right now, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm already tired. <laughs> <laughs> come, Lord Jesus, come. Yeah. Um, but I was looking, you know, so, uh, like I was saying, several people are so interested in our our past, you know, so to speak, and, you know, sharing our, my little visions and, and journals and stuff like that. And so I was, I was looking at some other ones, and you can see my face. The guys in the room here can see my face. The, praise the Lord, this isn't TV, because they would see just how embarrassed 
I am because I'm looking at one of my old old books. You know the where the paper used to be white. Now it's kind of like that brown and it's crunchy. <laughs> so if you hear any crunchiness, it, it's these old books. Uh, I'm laughing. This is a good one though. On um, I think four four ninety one. Let me something explain for those who weren't didn't listen on Monday. Yeah, uh, we celebrated our forty seventh wedding anniversary on Monday. And we talked about sort of the things that God has done to get us here. And we've had such a reaction, you know, people saying, take those journals and make a book out of them. Paula, you've got to communicate those to, to, the, to the ladies. Uh, because her suffering is there, her pain is there, uh, her joy is there. Uh, her immaturity as a Christian is on full display. <laughs> yeah, even today. Yeah. <laughs> so um, um, we thought that this might be a good time to spend a little more time in her prayer journals and, mm-hmm. and it's anniversary uh, week sure her heart so go ahead <laughs> since I'm on here twice um, 4 four ninety one. this was this was a, like a like a vision I had like I was so this is just after I got saved yeah okay. a little bit after you got saved this is a vision <laughs> Ron and Ron and I our marriage will be a testimony to other couples who have or have almost given up on their spouses to be saved now that's a good one right that's been true that's been true Okay, so, and then the, the moment you accepted Jesus on 227.91, so a couple months, um, the Lord just keeps bringing people to us. It's like marriage after marriage after marriage um, in a mess, and, and that's where you got... Yeah, seriously, we, I was saved two months. We were marriage experts by then, <laughs> weren't we? <laughs> it's Jesus. <Yeah. laughs> and people ask the same question to this day. Yeah. So how have you stayed together this long? Jesus, he, he intervened. What you see, it's like the kindergarten class. Uh-huh. They think the answer that they, they, they think we want to hear is Jesus. Yeah. What's three plus three? Jesus? Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> and then on um, July 18, remember I told you that because when somebody came to you and said, uh, when you told somebody you're going to be a, a, a pastor to, you, to me, I said, yeah, I know. I have it written down in my book. It's July 18, but it was July 18, 1991. So this was shortly after, after, um, after you were called. So on July 18, I have it written down that you'll, you'll uh, be a preacher. And then on, in August of 91 is when you came in. This was it. Ron told me that he was, he's been called to preach, dot, dot, dot. I knew it. <laughs> you know, but there's so many that I'm not going to read on here because, you know, when you have visions or dreams, a lot of times it's because you had bad pizza. And so as I'm reading some of these in here, I had some bad pizza <laughs> on a lot of nights. You know, you know what? That's not true. Let's talk about that for a moment because, because that's not true. Um, it, it's just your heart is open. God is beginning to teach you how to discern what's from him and what's not. And the enemy's there to try to mess with us a little bit in between. Okay. And and as a as an immature believer, now mm-hmm. you weren't a brand new believer, but you were immature. You, yeah. you know. Yeah. You, you just, I, I went to church and I knew I wasn't going to hell, but I didn't know why yeah. I was going to heaven and how to live live that but, life out. But as an immature believer, we have the the tendency to think that well, if God gives me vision dreams, every dream is is from God, <laughs> and so you started writing them down. Yeah. But let me tell you, not everything is from the Lord. <laughs> this is embarrassing. <laughs> Please, if, oh, if I die first, okay. But if, no, no, don't let anybody. I'm, I'm going to read it at your funeral. So, if you die first. <laughs> no. Then, then as soon as you go, I'll burn these things. Uh, let me see. Oh, my goodness. I had, I had a couple of them marked, but, oh, my. <laughs> Remember we talked about you had a secret that um, you had been keeping for a while. So, um, okay. So Ron had been keeping a huge secret from me for close to four months. The night on two seventeen ninety one, as I slept, the Lord showed me it was a huge gambling debt and some thieving had taken place. I don't know if that's true or not. 218, I wrote Ron a letter explaining this vision. Ron disclosed, this is the answer. So I have a vision, of, <laughs> I have a vision or a dream <laughs> column and an answer column, you know, because I'm organized like yeah. that. And so on 2-19-91, Ron disclosed his secret. It was worse than I thought, but thank God he'd prepared me. And see, that's another thing. 
if you just pray and pray, because I was starting to go crazy. I was thinking all kind of things, and the enemy was putting so many horrible thoughts in my head about what it could be, you know? So I had to go to the Lord and say, you need to do something or I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> and if I lose my mind, I might lose my witness. So you need to help me. So he did. Okay, let me see. <laughs> um, never mind. I'm not going to read that one. <laughs> this is so crazy. You know, when you start, you go back and you look and you think, how embarrassing this was. Okay. While I was praying, I saw Ron on a pedestal, a platform, with um, a lot of people around with hands raised for the Lord's touch. And that was 227.92. And let me see, there's another one that's similar. And where it says that Ron will preach the gospel at a racetrack. And that was... I, I lost enough money at racetracks, I could have owned it. You but. could have owned <laughs> Universal City. You lost so much money. Don't get me mad. You know, I've already forgiven you. Don't bring that up. But, um, yeah, so tell about that story. Because we were here. This was, of mm. course, all these things are when we still lived in California. You mm -hmm. hadn't even gone to Bible college yet. And so, um, you know, I was having these, some of these crazy dreams, but every once in a while, mm. one of these things really did come true that were so big for me. You know, yeah, and and you know, I didn't know about that um, vision until um, the the fulfillment was coming true. Mm -hmm. uh, we were here one day, and uh, a, a guy, Chaplain Mike, um, popped in and just said, "Hey, is this is this like Calvary Chapel, like in California, Chuck Smith Calvary Chapel?" Mm -hmm. And uh, they said yes, and and I happened to be walking out there at the time. And so whoever it was that was talking to him introduced us, mm -hmm. and we just started talking. And, and he said, you know, I'm the chaplain over here at Rotama Park Racetrack, and um, uh, we'd love to have an Easter service. Would you come over and do an Easter service mm -hmm. for us? Mm -hmm. Now, our church was really small at the time, and but was, of course I'd love to do that. So I came home and told you, mm -hmm. uh, Paula, I'm gonna, we're going to do Easter, an outdoor Easter service at Rotama Park Racetrack, yeah. and um, uh, we'll, we'll do it outdoors. It'll be sunrise service. Now, sunrise is 7 o'clock for us, yeah. but uh, we'll do an early morning service. Uh, and I, I thought, that's a great idea. So what do you think? Mm -hmm. And you started crying. Yeah. Because... Kind of, kind of, yeah. Uh, kind of, kind of <laughs> It's right here. Yeah, kind of crying mm -hmm. and kind of laughing. Uh -huh. But you showed me the, the, the visions the Lord had given you uh, before I went to Bible college, right after I was saved, yeah. uh, and, and said, Ron will be preaching the gospel at a racetrack. Yeah. And so that whole event took on uh, a whole lot more significance to us. We were watching the hand of God move in our lives. We were watching him fulfill, uh, precisely fulfill, what would have seemed impossible. And I remember standing in the pulpit that day. It was really one of those, an April day, um, you know, you always kind of, gamble with the weather Especially outside, here, yeah. outside yeah. around yeah. Easter. It can be cold, it can be warm. Well, this happened to be the most beautiful, warm day, sun directly at my back, and I'm sweating mm -hmm. inside my suit. The only time I wear a suit is is Easter and then funerals and weddings, mm -hmm. the only times. And so I had a suit on, and I'm sweating down my back inside, and the whole time I'm thinking, Lord, I can't imagine what you've done for us, where we've come from. And um, we had a pretty good crowd that day for a small church, mm -hmm. and it, we, we got to meet some new people. It was just a really, really neat time. And it was one of those days that you remember forever because uh, the promise of God came true, a promise that, that in 1991 seemed impossible. Yeah. And yet here I was preaching the gospel at a racetrack. Unreal. Unreal. Okay, here's another one. <clears throat> I'm going going back a little bit now. Um, <laughs> we'll have an eight-unit building for unwed mothers-to-be, Christian or non-Christian. There will be an older woman as permanent resident who will help take care of and teach the expectants what to expect. Misty, if you're listening, she just called you older. Well, <laughs> it used to be Julie <laughs> Cook, though. The women will stay a year in our care with assurance that our on-staff person and our new mothers-to-be will provide child care free for six months or so so she can work or go to school. Now, what was the date there? 
1992. Okay, 1992. Now, th- this I think is really instructive for, for everybody in the audience. God gives visions and dreams, uh, and sometimes it takes a long time for those to come to fruition. Now, we had no idea about Manor House. Um, no idea. We, we hadn't met Misty Slagle Mm-mm. yet. Um, in fact, we were still in California. We were still in California. Um, but this is, a, this is a vision that the Lord gave Paula. And um, when we got here, uh, Misty and Paula, and there was a, a few other ladies that would go out to a, a place. I can't remember the name of it, Paula. What was it? Wings. 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 Yeah, yeah. Women in need of greater strength. Okay. And, and this was uh, uh, youngish women who had babies, but they'd also been in jail. And so every week faithfully we'd send a group out there to worship and teach the word mm-hmm. and share our hearts with them mm-hmm. and and this went on for years and and one day we found out that wings was closing mm-hmm. and uh, misty came to me and she said uh, pastor on i think that that god wants us to keep doing this in some fashion or form and my thought was well we don't have any money we we never have any money mm-hmm. uh, we don't have any money let me pray about it I told her to write down the vision for the ministry so I'd have something to take before the Lord. And um, it was just so clear to me that this is something that God wanted to continue doing. And uh, I'm going to mess up the dates, but how long, do you know how long we've been doing Manor House here? Oh, it's around the same time as, it's a little younger than Malta. Okay, right. so so, so um, I don't know, maybe. But seven. even before that, yeah. Misty was kind of doing Manor House yeah. in her own home. But we had um, um, somebody come to us and say, uh, Pastor Ron, we have this house, we want to give it to you. And we instantly knew what it was for. And uh, we have been now for a whole bunch of years, uh, we have been ministering to uh, women of all age groups, women who um, uh, are, are escaping abusive situations, uh, some who've been in trouble, um, some who just their life, they, they made such bad choices, things that messed up. But but at absolutely no charge, we now have a house where these women can come and stay, find Christ if they're, if they're willing to do it. And um, um, all of that to say a, a vision that was given in 1992 mm-hmm. Um, comes to fruition, um, you know, more than a decade later, and we we look back and we see the goodness of God. And and the the point I'm trying to make is that when we wait and when we're patient, um, God moves at His own time. It wasn't something that consumed us. It wasn't something that we thought, okay, we got to make this happen. Uh, we just said, Lord, we're here to do whatever You want us to do. Uh, at that particular time, we were we were. We'd started the free school. Um, we were stretched beyond thin. And I Wait, just, 30 kids? Yeah, 35 kids? 31 kids the first, okay. first oh, okay. year. And, and all I could think about was there's no way we can do this that makes sense, Lord. So if you want to do it, you've got to do it. And, and, and he always does that. When we don't take matters into our own hands, God is really, really faithful. Yeah. You know, it did, that didn't even dawn on me <clears throat> when, uh, me. when they called here. Because a young lady had come from a Calvary Chapel, I think, in Florida. And she was on the board for wings. And they were supposed to have had some kind of spiritual guidance for these girls. And they had been in operation for a year and a half. And so she, she comes to church here when she found out they had nothing for them. And it was illegal. And the, the big wigs from around Texas. Funded by the state. Yes, because it was state funded were coming in the next week, and she didn't want them to close down these girls and their babies. The only place in Texas that allowed the mothers to be with their children. Some had had their babies in prison. Um, some were pregnant and about ready to have their babies in this facility, and she did not want to see it closed down. Would you please um, get you know a couple of you and go, because not just one person can go. And so I said, of course. So we went the very next week. The day we were there is when those lawyers and and, uh, I don't know whatever else you call them were there. Otherwise, they would have been shut down right then and there. And so for years we did that. But it didn't even dawn on me that this was a part of that setting up 
because um, for a few years it was just Barbara and me. Misty came later, and then when it closed down, then the then the manor house thing all came to to Misty. But it didn't even dawn on me, you know. So the Lord's always walking by, working behind the scenes when we're not even aware of it. So it's like as I was reading these over again, it's like, wow, that really happened. And see, those are the things that we have a tendency to forget in our study last night uh, in Isaiah, uh, starting in chapter 51. Um, we, we were told to remember mm-hmm. where we came from. Mm-hmm. Remember Abraham, how he overcame impossible. Well, for Christians, uh, we need to remember these things. And the problem is most of us don't journal our prayers. Yeah. And, and certainly they don't date them and time them like you did. Um, but, but those are the things that, that tend to, to escape our memory. And, and when the next time we're overwhelmed by circumstances, instead of remembering those things and we've seen the hand of God move, we sort of freak out and panic. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd like the, the listening audience to know that um, file these things away. We'll do some more on the other side of the break. But uh, file these things that God is speaking your heart away. Write them down. And when they come to fruition, then you can say, see, God did this. God gets the glory. And I think that's the message for all of us. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in the day edition of the show. 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR. We'll be back in two minutes. to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back we've got 30 minutes till we head out on our men's retreat 340-9585 phone lines are wide open if you have any questions or comments especially for Paula, this is the day, 340-9585. Paula, keep going. Well, this was, this is fun. You know, it's embarrassing as I'm reading the ones that I'm not going to read on the thing, but <laughs> it's kind of cool to go back and, and look at that. And and when I'm done with this, I'll, I'll, I'll say something. So, 41092. And so I have some other stuff talking about some dream that I had, but then... Um, at the end of this thing that I wrote down, it says, Ron was told that after the first sermon in our church, his dad and brother would be saved. Wow. And we know that your dad... My dad got saved on his deathbed? Yeah. And this is 41092. And so your dad's been gone, what, three years? Five years? When did he... What year did he... I don't know what year he died, but... It was a long, hard, hard-headed <laughs> road for sure. But you've been you've been uh, praying. You just taught recently too to pray and not. That was Sunday. Pray and and never give up. And uh, yeah, pray and never give up because after for me, the hardest person I thought ever to get saved was you. You know, like this is this is kind of impossible. There's no way. But then right after that, or maybe if I'd spent more time with your dad, he'd have been number one. But you guys were both right, one or two, two or one. <laughs> you know, the, the the old saying, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Mm-hmm. I am my dad apart from Christ. And he was not a nice man. I am my dad apart from Christ. We, same characteristics. We look the same. We just... I was miserable. Yeah, I remember when Terry came that time we were talking about when your dad just he gets off the plane and he's just taking his taking the Lord's name in vain and you know that's when we could we were Terry came in like what, fifteen minutes before your dad mm-hmm. you know from a different different direction and so we're all together in the in the airport and I mean ten minutes you said to Terry and me. You guys go ahead, go to the luggage thing. Just I got to talk to my dad. <laughs> and so anyway, he talked him into Stan, and he he did a lot of golly gee and gee whizzes, you know, and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> but you know, he just he was just grumpy the whole time. <laughs> and when he went up, got up to go to the restroom one time, and Terry says, "Why is he like that?" <laughs> <laughs> my dad looked at him and said, "You can call me Grandpa." 
And Terry's looking at his face like, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know, know who you are. You know, my dad, just for give you a little bit of background, we got a caller holding, I'll get to him just for a second, but um, uh, my dad disowned me uh, when, when Paul and I got together uh, because we were an interracial couple. My dad disowned me. Uh, and really never had anything to do with, with us or our kids. Yeah. Uh, as I got successful financially, uh, if he needed something, oh, yeah. he would come in my life or yeah. wanted to play golf or do something like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, uh, you know, he was just one of those people that was just completely lost, that, that Jesus loved him and heard and answered our prayers over many, many years. Uh, did he reach out to my dad on his deathbed and just... Mm-hmm. All glory, all glory to God. Let's take a phone call. We got Ryan calling from San Antonio on line one. Ryan, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron and Paula. How are you? Hi, Ryan. Good. How are you doing? I didn't hey. get to hug you Sunday. Sorry. Uh, I know we missed you. Hey, uh, <laughs> I was just calling on the occasion of our son Luke's tenth uh, birthday, which is tomorrow. Uh, <sighs> I wanted to call and thank you for helping <laughs> excuse me <laughs> a little uh emotional <laughs> <choked> up there <laughs> <laughs> so he is our miracle child and uh, as you know um, you know the church prayed and prayed and prayed for us to have a child and uh and we had luke as a result <laughs> and uh you know he's a wonderful boy who's um He's born again, and he's baptized, and he's uh, he's smart and clever and, um, you know, trilingual and all those wonderful things. And so we feel like uh, the Lord has um, put him on this earth for a specific purpose, which we'll find out at a later date. But I just wanted to call and, and uh, just humbly thank you all so much for helping. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Is it okay if I tell a little bit of the story after you're gone? Oh, please. Yes, sir. Okay. Do. I'll do it. Thank, thank you, Ryan. Yeah, he's like Moses. This is, <laughs> they realize he's no ordinary child. Yeah. Um, Ryan and Holly, um, mom and dad, um, they have a bunch of babies in heaven. She was, I think eight. She was able to get pregnant, but wasn't able to stay pregnant. Mm-hmm. And their hearts just kept breaking over and over and over. And after the last miscarriage, uh, the family um, was was pleading for them to stop trying because they just saw the pain and the heartache mm-hmm. that it caused. And um, Holly looked at me, and, and you know, you got to know Holly to appreciate this, but she's she's got a look on her face that says, "I know, I know that this is going to be okay." And so they 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 were going to continue to try. We were we were having an afterglow on a Friday night, and the Lord gave me a word, and the word was for Holly. I knew it; uh, she obviously knew it when she heard it. Um, but uh, it was one of those things where we, I didn't say her name because I didn't want to put any additional pressure mm-hmm. on on the situation. Um, but uh, the word was was God's not done. Keep trying; He will reward your faith, mm-hmm. and. Um, as soon as that word came to me, and I, I declared it in, in, in the audience to the, to the church, um, I, I just had no doubt that they would have a child. And she got pregnant again in pretty short order after that. And um, Luke was probably the most prayed-for baby in the history of our church, Paula. Yep, yep, the kindergarten class, I know, prayed every, every single day. Every day. And um, I prayed many times a day, oh, God, please spare us any more pain. Lord, this is the word that you gave us. And, and uh, when Luke was born, so strong, so healthy, I mean, from the very first moment. Mm-hmm. And this kid, I, I can't explain him. Uh, Ryan did a good job, but, but, but he's so much more than that. I mean, from, from the moment uh, he came out of, out of his mother's womb, there was a connection. Um, he and I are very, very close. Mm-hmm. Um, they went away for a couple of years Germany. in Germany, where mm-hmm. he was actually born. Yeah, 
And or was he born here and then? No, I think he was born here and okay. then they took him Would, over there. So so he was out of our lives. And normally, you know, when you're out of a, a baby's life for a, a time, mm-hmm. um, when they come back, they start to grow. They look at you like I don't remember you. He knew exactly. He ran to me and and um, mm-hmm. this kid speaks German, Spanish, and English, mm-hmm. and and it's just an amazing gift and. And to see him grow and be strong. It Ten is, years old. Yeah. That's the thing yeah. that's getting me. See? Oh, my. You have to be patient. God answers yeah. answers prayers. Ryan, thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. And I'll be at the retreat tomorrow, so um, make uh, make sure Luke sees me for a birthday hug on Sunday. I'll yeah. be back. Yeah, he, Luke, I mean, he's like, bam, bam. You know? <laughs> yes, he's he a tall, strong he is just, when you get a hug from Luke, in fact, when they first came back here, and uh, he was so excited, and his mom and dad had to say, you got to hug a little softer, <laughs> you know, because sometimes he would come, and he, he would knock me down almost, you know, and they're like, he's so excited. I was like, I love it, I love it, I love it, don't change him, but they had to calm him down a little bit, and he's so, he's just one of those kids that, like you're saying, there's something different. Ryan Holly have such great testimony, not just about Luke, but about what God's done Mm -hmm. in their life. Holly uh, just was named uh, the Air Force JAG Officer of the Year for all of the Air Force. Makes sense to me. And, um, you know, she's just a Mm -hmm. little spitfire. I love her so much. You did good, Ryan. You married up, buddy. You know that, right? (laughs) All right. Okay, so 5792. This is what the Lord told me, and, you know, I'm I'm thankful to be able to write some of these things down as we go back into the memory bank. On 5792, the Lord told me, Ron is not to pursue worldly work, but continue doing kingdom work. Trust God to provide. And here's here's my note. Keep quiet, Paula. The Lord will tell him. So I didn't say anything to you. The next day, 5892. The next day. How cool is that? After Ron's prayer time, we prayed together. Ron was also told not to pursue worldly work. Kingdom work will keep him busy, and the Lord will provide. Trust and obey. <laughs> and, and, you know, that was hard. That, I, I want to I be clear. That's not a normal thing for God to say to somebody. Because as men, we have the responsibility to provide for our families. Mm-hmm. But, but, but our circumstances were unique from a couple of perspectives. One, we had no idea, of course, that the Lord was doing a work of faith, that everything that we were going to do here at Calvary Chapel was going to be free, and that we would have to trust only in God. We weren't going to ask for money. We weren't going to take offerings. We weren't going to do any of those things. And, um, um, you know, um, as a man who can make money, and, and, and again, making money has just always been an easy thing for me, to be told by God not to pursue any work. You'll never work for anybody but me again is exactly the way he, he told me. And um, all those those days, Paula, when we were we were starving, and that's not hyperbole, mm-hmm. uh, those days when our bills weren't being, being paid, um, um, so many times um, I'd go out and plead with the Lord, just let me go get a job. I'll do something. I can do anything, and I'll, I'll make more than enough money that we need, and then, mm-hmm. then I'll stop. And, and at one point, one day, on Pat Booker Road, mm-hmm. Uh, that's where Jesus and I walked for all those years. Um, on Pat Bacor Road, the, road, the Lord rebuked me. And he said, if you ask me one more time, it will be sin. Mm-hmm. And so I had to come home and tell Paula, Paula, I, I, I feel terrible because I ought to be providing. And there were sure enough people to say, you ought to be providing. Mm-hmm. But, but You're worse than an infidel, huh? Yeah, but, <laughs> but what God made clear to me was this is what he's called me to do. Mm-hmm. Again, I want everybody to know that's not a normal thing. It's a hard thing. But I come to believe, Paula, that God usually asks us to do the hard thing for us, um, not the hard thing for everybody else. The hard thing for everybody else would be, well, go get a job, why don't you do that? But for me, um, God was forcing me to trust him. He was mm-hmm. forcing me to trust him. Mm-hmm. And it's the best lesson I ever learned because, again, we've seen the hand of God move time and time and time again. Yeah. At just the right time, I always say God's never late, mm-hmm. but he's hardly ever early either. Yeah. And uh, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, if I would have taken matters into my own hands then, I never would have stopped because that's my nature. Mm-hmm. 
uh, make decisions. We move on with them, good, bad, or otherwise. We make the best we can. Um, but God said, this is my special work. This is the work I want to do. Mm-hmm. And um, if we don't let him do it, then we're the ones who miss out. Yeah. Let's go to Bulverde and talk to Greg on line one. Greg, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Well, I had two questions, but I'm just going to stick with one for now since uh, Paul is there with you. Um, oh, no, that's okay. It, well, it, well let, me, let me just go and get through this one first. What I want to ask you, Paul, is, you know, with what you went through back in the, the tough days uh, with Pastor Ron, back when he was not saved, mm-hmm. why, what, what kept you going? I mean, I think I don't know the answer to this, but what kept you going when other women that would have been in that same position would have quit? It, uh, it's going to sound like a kindergarten. Almost sound like a kindergarten right now. Jesus! Because every single day, I wanted to quit. And on the days when I wasn't going to walk out, and I knew Ron wasn't going to leave, literally I had a baseball bat and a golf club under my bed. And I thought, I'll just go to heaven from jail. Seriously. Yeah. And that I thought, you know what, that's not going to be good because we already have two kids. Their dad's going to be dead and their mom's going to be in jail. That's not going to work out really good. But, of course, at that time, I'm totally in my flesh because life is not fair. I've been praying and trying to do the quote-unquote right things. Where are you, God? This is impossible. I didn't sign up for this. I'm out. Ron's own mother is the one who said, Honey, you and the boys come live with me. No one will blame you. You need to divorce him. But I had read um, that God hates divorce. And Ron, I didn't really have grounds. Ron was being, um, uh, he wasn't physically abusing me or anything. He just wasn't nice and he wasn't around. Um, And he would put me down. But the Lord showed me, and I'm sure you know this, that when people put you down, they're trying to build their whole selves up. So I got to that where, in fact, instead of being so angry, I was more um, feeling sorry, if that makes sense. But every single day, Jesus would say, just give me one more day. And Greg, let me add this. Uh, Paula started drinking quite a lot. Um, um, You know, when, when my commute home from work, uh, was was anywhere from 40 minutes to three hours, depending on Southern California traffic. Mm-hmm. And um, w- when I would call her on my car phone and say, I'm on my way home, have dinner ready or something like that, um, she, she would start drinking um, just to sort of take the edge off to help her kind of cope with things. And, mm-hmm. and the Lord had to deal with her on all of those things oh, as yeah. well. But I think that the important thing is that God was working with the Christian, with the, with the one in our home who belonged to him. Mm-hmm. He wasn't working on me. I was in a self-destruct mode, but he was working on her, preparing her. And so every time that she was about to quit or give up, she can't take it one more day. Um, um, The Lord would say to her, just give me one more day. We can do this one more day. And as cliche-ish as one day at a time sounds, that's exactly how she hung in there for those 13 years. Mm -hmm. What's your other question, Greg? I I, I brought you a picture of my wife and I and you, you put it on your, your perb wall and just keep us there because we're still not in a good place. Okay. So, thank you for your prayers. And, and the, the other question I'll, I'll say for another day. Okay, Greg. Thank you very, very much. God thank bless you. And I do pray. <laughs> yeah. And, and pray without ceasing and you just be the representative um, that the Lord wants you to be because God never did tell me that Ron would be a Christian. Um, and I never believed it until one day when it's like, hmm, this could this could happen, right? But the Lord was so working on me. It wasn't about Ron. My relationship with Jesus was um, based on what he could do for me instead of what he had already done for me. And yeah, I think and we and we do an awful lot of marriage counseling. We've done marriage conferences all over and stuff. And and the, one of the things that we run into often is, but he's not changing or she's not changing. And we always tell people the same thing. God can only work on the one in your home who belongs to him. Mm-hmm. So regardless of what he or she does, um, Jesus says, I died for you. Yeah. 
I, I came to live in you. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Let me deal with him later. But first I need to prepare you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the man or the woman who, who says, well, I can't take it anymore. Uh, this is just too unfair. Um, that's a man or a woman who's gotten their eyes off of the cross of Christ. Um, we're in, uh, starting last night, Greg, we're in Isaiah uh, 51 through the first five verses of chapter 53. We're talking about Jesus' um, uh, suffering, uh, his heartache, um, the sacrifice he made. If he never answered another prayer for us, then just what he went through should be answered with our undying devotion, no matter what. And I think Paula, often of the the three Jewish kids in Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and don't you know that I have the power of life and death? Turn up the furnace seven times hotter. I'm going to throw you in there. Well, my God, who is able... Now, these are teenagers. My God who is able to rescue us from this fire. Mm-hmm. But even if he, he does doesn't. not, mm-hmm. I will not bow down to you, O mm-hmm. king. Mm-hmm. And you can see Nebuchadnezzar, the steam coming from his, mm-hmm. from his ears. But, but um, you know, God always deals with the one in the home who belongs to him. And often, Paul, and you, you hear me say this, not only at marriage conferences that we do, but, but here at our church, that, that God is waiting for one professing Christian in a marriage to start acting like Christ. And if one will do that, then he can move mountains. Mm -hmm. Remember for me, uh, Greg, um, 1 Peter 3 was, you know, wives, let your conduct um, win your husband over without words. And so if you guys are bantering or arguing or pointing fingers at one another of you did this and you said that, um, remember when you did this, and uh, th- that that's not going to do anything. Jesus, you know, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter and did not open his mouth. We can too. And we were just in Luke on Sunday um, in verse 13 and 14 where uh, the guy beat in his breast. He didn't even look up. The tax collector. The tax collector didn't even look up, you know, compared to the... What's the other? The, the Pharisee. The Pharisee. The Pharisee thought he was okay. That's how I was. I thought I was okay and that God need to do work on Ron. And the Lord let me know that I was the Pharisee. Really. The work needed to be done in my heart. Um, and and we got to humble ourselves and, mm-hmm. and repent. And that, that's such a profound picture in Luke chapter 18. This Pharisee, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I do this and I tithe and I fast and I pray. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and the tax collector who wouldn't even look up beat his breast and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And, and this, this picture of him beating his breast, what he's really saying is, Lord, I'm the problem. It's my heart that's ugly. And I think when, especially in a situation where it's Marriage and difficult marriages, Paula, uh, I think too often um, we who are believers uh, forget that we're the, we're the ones who need to beat our hearts. It, it's my problem, Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so easy to look out and say, but it's their fault. Mm-hmm. I, I've had, you know how many people over the years, especially men, come to me and said, you know, Pastor Ron, you always say it's our fault because we're the spiritual heads, but it's not my fault. She does this and she does this. And, and you know, my, my answer is, well, go, go beat your breast a little bit. I think that's one of the reasons why I say to the guys all the time, you know you married up, right? Just to kind of remind them. Yeah, most of them don't know that. They don't believe that. They don't believe that. But um, when you got saved, the woman that you've been praying for for a long time, you found was already living in your house. Um, And yeah, I still have a lot of work to be done. But um, instead of you beating me down, you now are washing me in the word and dying to your your needs way, way more than before um, and making me feel special and precious. Every woman, that's what they want. And so if you're having issues, yeah, for you who's calling in, it's your fault. But, you know, we all have fault. But when you're pointing fingers out, um, you know, you you, you got to look at yourself. You do your best. 
if you have a difficult marriage, you do your best, especially if you're a man, yeah. to make your wife feel like the most beautiful, most loved, most precious woman on the face of the earth, mm-hmm. and God will do the rest of the yeah. work. Yeah. You know, my work for a year and a half now is reboot. And going over this, these journals, I have been doing this for a long time. It's like the Lord says, like you've been saying, remember all the things that he has done. Remember, go back. Remember to trust him. Remember to wait patiently. Um, remember he's faithful. we got two minutes. Got one more you want to share? Um, no. No? No, I don't. I don't. Okay, anything else you want to say? I just, uh, well, no. Remember that the Lord said that he will restore all that the locust has given. Mm-hmm. And man, the enemy tried to destroy big time. And on Monday when I teach, I'm going to wear my 20-year Calvary Chapel Christian Academy shirt. That's one of those monuments, not bragging on us at all, but on God who is faithful. Um, but there's just so many things that he's proven himself <laughs> time and time again. You just do what I tell you. It looks like you're going to fall off a cliff, but I've been there this whole time. I'm 67, Ron, and I can't tell you how many times in my life I'm like, I can't take another day. You know, like we're talking about with Greg, I can't take another day. And the Lord just the other day was saying, you're 67. (laughs) (laughs) You made it. (laughs) Have I been holding your hand this whole time? Yes, I have. And so he said, put put another foot in front of the other foot. Let's keep walking. God is faithful. You're 20 years of free school that has nearly broke us a hundred times over the years. Probably. And and uh, we've been told by, by even friends of mine, oh, it won't last six months. Um, 20 years. 20 years. 20 years. And, and um, the numbers of kids that have come through here and been blessed and are a blessing to, to others. How many kids and adults are had parents? We, had we quit? Yeah. Have, they've gotten saved. They've fallen in love with Jesus and their lives are different. Hey, thank you for tuning in. Pray for us. We are going now to the men's retreat. We're looking for the Lord's hand to move powerfully. So please keep us in prayer. You've been listening to the Date Day edition of The Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow from the retreat center itself with the men. We'll see you then. God bless. Bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.